You're now listening to Biddle Crypto with your host Tarun. This podcast brings conversations from crypto founders, researchers and creators in the US to 700 plus million internet users in India and other emerging pro crypto nations. Find out who are some of the most impactful US based crypto startups and what are they building. Just a disclaimer Talks here are not to be taken as financial advice of any sort. There is a very secure uh, system of like your garage door opener, and the company left the password to be the same for all the garage door openers. <laughs> like you know, instead, <laughs> I guess Jay, it's typically not the crypto that gets broken. What are your thoughts about Satoshi in general? Yeah, so you know, I think that. Uh, this problem of electronic cash is something that cryptographers have been studying for a long while. Uh, the early works go back to like early 1980s by David Chom and he introduced this concept. But something that I think was kind of not thought about at all was this uh, using you know proof of work as a way of realizing or preventing the double spending problem, which was you know which is very very novel. and satoshi did you know this is sort of a this was an absolute breakthrough the this sort of really exploded interest in in crypto and the main on um, cryptocurrency which which is kind of a very complicated problem so you know i like encryption because it's simple it's very simple it's easy to once you understand it you can implement it the things you can do wrong yeah, certainly but uh, it's easy to implement get started and people can understand what's going on and, and there's not a lot of moving parts and that's sort of a big challenge in crypto whenever there are a lot of moving parts there is a bigger attack space things get broken uh, what satoshi did was he came up with this system and it's fairly you know there's quite a few moving parts it's not the most complicated system which is which is a bonus i but the fact that it's simple and does the job i think is is quite a uh, fantastic and you know this is this is amazing technology i think it's among uh, if the top two three technologies in the last two decade that have shaped how people do things every day right so that's sort of quite remarkable you know personally also i find him as quite an inspiring character because you know we don't know who he is and that's kind of fascinating because you know it's typically seen in science and even other aspects of life credit is a significant motivator for people right and, you know people want to make money people want um, to, to to get credit for what their contributions are and that's sort of motivates them but they quite uh, interestingly remained anonymous and that's quite remarkable uh, uh, and then you know that his motivations were not the glory associated with it it's, i just find it quite inspiring in your viewpoint like what uh, sort of like this proof of work concept i mean you know i did a little bit of research it seems like it did exist in the literature back in the you know prior to satoshi you know implementing that in his uh, you know having that in his implementation like proof of work is what is it solving is it solving you know how to achieve consensus in a distributed database and if it does then like what sort of possible applications in finance being one does it open up the society to where did proof of work come from so 
you know, this is actually quite an old concept um, with its beginnings in uh, 93. There's a work by uh, Dork and Nart. I don't think they called it proof of work then, but it was sort of a way to prevent um, or sort of deter denial of service attacks. So for example, you go to a website and, and sometimes you're asked to, you know, like you, you see a captcha and you, you, you know, you, you see numbers written in a, a funny way and, and you're supposed to enter it in a text doc. And by that, the server is just trying to make sure that the website is being accessed by a human rather than a script. And, you know, these, these captures can sometimes be broken, but they do act as a deterrent. So it does make the task of, of interacting with a website um, where by a bot much harder. What Dwarken Nauer uh, in their early work uh, talked about was, well, if we could give someone a small puzzle, so let's say you want to talk to me, um, and I want to know whether you are a real person or not. And I'm getting overwhelmed by, by these requests that I get to talk to them. I could give everybody a small puzzle, right? So I could give everybody who wants to talk to me a small puzzle. Where I know that it would, it takes roughly a day to solve the puzzle. Uh, but once you solve the puzzle, I can immediately verify whether the solution is correct or not. So, you know, for example, you know, it's not exactly right, but I could give an analogy with like a Sudoku puzzle. So you come to me and you say, I want to talk to you. I don't know whether you're real or not, whether you really want to talk or not. So I give you a Sudoku puzzle and say, solve the puzzle and then, you know, I'll talk to you once you submit the solution of this puzzle. to me. Now, somebody else comes and, and says, okay, I want to talk to you. I give them a Sudoku puzzle. Note that it will be very hard for people to solve all the Sudoku puzzles and then overwhelm me in terms of uh, the amount of requests that I get. So this they developed this as a way to prevent denial of service attack or is spam, preventing spam in email. So for example, every time you want to send an email, you're required to do solve a small puzzle. And that makes it just, you know, if you're a human and you're sending a bunch of emails, maybe 10, 15, 20, um, you can solve those uh, puzzles and that's fine. But if you want to send millions and millions of emails in a short period of time, you will suddenly find it hard to do that. And that sort of it makes it uh, interesting. Uh, what Santoshi did um, was kind of amazing was that he used a block, the, he used uh, uh, this proof of work concept, which was, you know, the name proof of work came later. Um, you know, it, it was a Dworkin art, I think didn't coin the name, but someone else did. And then what Toshi did was use this concept towards cryptocurrency. And that's sort of the, the powerful thing that he did is in saying that, well, what goes on the blockchain is going to be a function of, there's going to be some proof of work that's going to have to be done for something uh, uh, to go on the blockchain. And that sort of was the key, I would say, technical you know, milestone in that work. And in terms of, what made it big? Um, I think you're right. Uh, maybe the timing was going to be important. I see that as a theme in uh, cryptography and encryption is where I'm just uh, giving an example. You have a big prime factorization. You know, if you know the solution, then working out all the steps to the proof, you can know. But the other way around is a harder problem. Know the proof, it's easier to go backwards, you know, um, than to like unscramble sort of the egg kind of uh, metaphor, if you will, like, you know. Yeah, so, you know, this is something 
maybe people would relate to it. There's this uh, world, a word called trapdoor. I guess maybe that's what you're alluding to is, I guess maybe you're talking more about one-wayness of the thing. Right. So there are multiple concepts here which might be getting intertwined and maybe that's sort of the... So one thing is just being a one-way computation. So one-way computations are easy to compute and they're just hard to reward. So this is the example that you gave. You have an egg, you break it, and you can't put it back together. Like it's, I'm guessing that it's possible to put the egg back together in, you know, in some sense, but it just is very, very difficult to the extent that we will not be able to do that, right? So you could take all the pieces together, and if you had the right understanding of where each piece fit together, maybe for an egg it sounds more difficult, but maybe for a glass bottle, you know, if it gets broken and you had all the right. pieces broken pieces, you can in theory put it together, but it's 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 you know it's conceivably pretty hard. And so that's what the the notion of one wayness, and in Bitcoin, sort of the proof of work sort of comes from this space that. There is a certain task that is uh, that just takes a lot of time to to solve. Um, it's unlike the the breaking of the the bottle situation where it's easy to break the bottle and put the bottle together back again. But it is it's sort of this kind of the opposite. Uh, let's say you had the pieces of the bottle and you wanted to put them together. It's very hard to put them together. But if I told you exactly which piece went where, it's much easier. Mm. So that's sort of the uh, the, the proof of work thing in uh, in Bitcoin, where the puzzle sort of seems to be: I give you all the broken pieces of the bottle, and the solution is, well, how do I put them together? Now, once I tell you the solution, you can easily put them together. That makes sense. What do you think are some of the key, you know, indications of a project? I wouldn't say of successful project, but I would say something that has. Uh, some sort of scientific legitimacy in terms of like, hey, this is something that perhaps is doable, not now, but maybe in the near future. Yeah. So, you know, this is a, a challenging aspect. I understand, you know, many people are struggling with these issues. So I think that there's sort of two uh, spaces you could sort of separate the, the, the blockchain spaces in. And, and the one is in the application side, which is sort of using blockchain to do new things, which often pretty exciting and enticing. And the second space is actually building on the blockchain space, new technologies, and, and that's maybe where one would expect new crypto being developed. So I can tell you for sort of both these spaces, sort of what my opinion is, and, and you know, again, this is not something that uh, is a very broad space and uh, it's sort of hard to keep track of it. And, and I'm not necessarily the person who's, who's putting in the investment, so I'm not the one who knows right. that. But I, I still can, you know, maybe give some answer here. So I think in the technology space, as in other aspects of life, there is a lot of snake oil that's being sold, right? And in, in blockchain mm -hmm. space, in terms of application, there is a lot of it. AI being another example where there's a lot of uh, snake oil that's being sold. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, blockchain is a fantastic technology, but... It is not. So I'm talking about the first space where people are just using blockchain to do uh, new things. And, and, you know, blockchain is a fantastic technology, but it is not, uh, it's neither necessary nor sufficient for, you know, you know in, in some cases, both <laughs> for several applications. So, for example, you know, I heard about some example of using blockchain to help in, in doing voting. 
you know, that's certainly not, you know, a good example that we should strive for. Voting is not, blockchain is just not the right technology for, for developing voting applications. So I think that, you know, there is, there are applications where blockchain can be really powerful, really useful, but it's seen a, a prolification and sort of lots of applications. And so one should, you know, if you're trying to understand whether it's a legitimate or a good application of blockchain, should really examine it very critically. Whether do I really need blockchain? Can I use simpler crypto tools to achieve that? And often I've seen blockchain being used in cases where just a signature would be enough. So that's sort of uh, really something uh, to keep in mind. So that's sort of the space where people are just using blockchain. And I think that where a lot of the buzz is, but that's sort of something to keep in mind. Then in terms of really building new powerful blockchain and, and new uh, that I think is is also uh, quite interesting, but there's also a lot of fluff in that direction. So you have like lots of new cryptocurrencies, and often it's not clear what's going on. And you know, crypto is often, and I, I mentioned that about uh, Bitcoin, and something I liked about Bitcoin is you know it's quite simple. It's something that's sort of changing with the development of cryptography for the cryptocurrency spaces that it's developing quite rapidly and this is being implemented quite rapidly and it's making out to products uh, very rapidly. This is not the way typically crypto has been done. Simple algorithms, you know, I, I talked about the uh, um, lattice-based schemes, you know, typically it took uh, several years for these things to be understood well theoretically to actually getting deployed, like a couple of years. And, but this is sort of very dramatically changing and that has made the the security vulnerabilities to or the crypto vulnerabilities to to percolate uh, much easier, and that's sort of worrisome. And, and so that's something that one needs to be very careful about. My worry, but to answer your question on well, what's interesting, I think I would just go by what's the technical innovation that's happening and whether that technical innovation with respect to the competitors offering something that is. Worthwhile. For example, I think you know when Zcash came around, it offered anonymity in, in, in some sense. You know, for some definition of anonymity, where at least you could hide which bank account to which other bank account information. You know, money was being transferred and, and so on, things like that. So that's something that uh, you know, when there's technical innovation, there's uh, certainly things to go by. You know, one needs to be really careful about the the fluffy language that I see on the websites of a lot of these uh, startups where it's unclear what they're doing, but there are a lot of buzzwords and it's just hard to understand what's going on. And having said that, there are definitely some very legitimate, you know, uh, projects out there. Absolutely. absolutely, Yeah. And then, you know, there's sort of also maybe the crypto community, I mean, the cryptocurrency community, I keep saying that because I, I call the crypto community as the cryptographers. And then, you know, it's sort of funny that, the name was, uh, you know, the cryptocurrency also got to take that name. So I think that the, the, the cryptocurrency community has started to take publications at IACR venues as sort of being some level of uh, relevant, like sort of a trust in when new crypto is being developed. But yes, yeah, so certainly that's some uh, level of uh, test and then the cryptocurrency community realizes that. And, you know, there are also loopholes around that that people have now built, but yeah. 
That's great. I mean, if uh, cryptographers and the community itself is kind of regulating or like providing the expertise needed. And, and it's not just for the like, you know, if you look at traders and investors and cryptocurrency guys, OK, they are looking at the value going up and down like and, and you know, for the for the sake of this show and for the, you know, uh, to impart like general deep knowledge about the space. I feel the audience needs to, and you know, audience is maturing since the space is very new. Like if you look compared to US, compared to India, most of the people currently in India are just mesmerized with the trading aspects of like, hey, I can triple my investment like in a day. And, you know, of course, there are super like high risks involved into that. And then you see people in US who have been doing this for a while mature in terms of like talking about the, you know, say, proof of work versus proof of uh, stake, you know, and what are the pros and cons and where's, say, ETH 2.0 is going or where, you know, Bitcoin's uh, next, uh, you know, making it uh, uh, have support smart contract is going. So the level of discussion, I would say, is a little more nuanced in, in places where crypto has been accepted longer or been in the mainstream now, longer than in the other countries. And I think with time that will change. So, um, uh, yeah, having said that, like, what's your, uh, you know, I know I did some research before in terms of like the proof of work and proof of, you know, proof of staking. What are your thoughts about these two consensus and what are like other interesting consensus mechanisms you feel are in the works and you've seen people work on it or yourself being involved with it uh, that seem very promising for the future? Yeah, so this is not something I'm an, uh, an expert on, um, but there are quite a few of uh, fellow cryptographers that we're working on. Um, I talked about Zcash, uh, and again, you know, this is not something that I'm an expert on, and I'm not endorsing any of the products. But the two ones that are coming out of Berkeley, there's Zcash, there's a, a colleague at Berkeley is involved in that, um, and there's Oasis Lab. These are again another one, a startup uh, from Berkeley. A student of mine actually left uh, PhD to start Order One Labs uh, that they, they're developing super sharp uh, snark proofs for, for, for entire blockchains. So that's another product that photographers have been developing. Then there's, um, from, from Cardinal University, there's, uh, uh, there's a project called Tenderella. I don't know if you've heard about it. Then there's Algorand. I think that's gained quite a bit of popularity from the MIT uh, crowd uh, that has come out. Uh, now folks from uh, IBM who were previously, like I, I, I worked in, in IBM for a while and, and my colleagues from there have joined in. So that's, that's exciting. Um, so that's, so there's quite a, f- a few of these uh, things going on. Uh, I'm just not keeping a significant track of uh, uh, these and, and uh, I would rather not comment. Penultimate question I have for you is, <laughs> What do you see in the future, you know, now uh, with with even the uh, so the banks are on board and then you see the governments getting on board with U.S. and China having uh, to me seems like uh, like a sort of like a cold war of like who comes out with a digital sort of currency 
And, you know, just from your own perspective, what do you think the future would look like when, you know, you have this programmable sort of crypto secure uh, sort of money that sort of becomes the norm or is an add on to the existing, say, fiat currency? And gradually there is a change because, you know, if you look at the history of like money, like paper currencies came after like you know, precious metals, they, it took them a couple of, uh, I think a century over more than a century to convince people. And what's your thoughts on like, uh, do you see it happening, especially with COVID thing? I feel the things have been accelerated, but what are your thoughts on? I would love to know your thoughts on like, uh, what do you think about all, all of this uh, in the current context? Yeah, I think it's quite uh, tricky in the sense that, uh, uh, you know, if one was to go by, you know, what's happened in the rest of the uh, uh, crypto space. Um, I think it has been a big battle, a uh, big uphill battle. Um, it continues to be uh, in both the US and I'm sure in, in, in China as well, um, though I understand much less of the China uh, thing. In terms of trying to allow for crypto to, like crypto, just even secure messaging to exist. And then I think there were big barriers in the existence of cryptocurrency in terms of using crypto for secure messaging, sorry, not cryptocurrency. And they still persist today. You see, you know, significant effort in trying to curtail the use of uh, messaging apps, uh, which cannot be broken, right? So there's sort of significant effort by intelligence agencies in trying to prevent uh, people from having the ability to communicate. Uh, securely. I think that the same problem would exist also in the crypto space. As this becomes more and more ubiquitous and, and people start using it, I am worried that we might see stronger regulations or a push to have backdoors or things like that, where uh, Uncle Sam might want to have access to what's going on. And mm-hmm. uh, that I would be really worried about. I think as uh, this starts to happen more and more, and there are often ways around it. It's not necessarily that there will be a back to right in how um, Bitcoin works. It could just be in the apps that you use to send uh, the information or recover the information, right? So that, that, that would be a way for them to have access to information, which via ways that are outside the sort of the existing blockchain technology. So I'm, I'm really worried about, uh, about that. And even if the regulatory battle is somewhat won, I, I would be worried about the other ways that, you know, the intelligence agencies might adopt to sort of get their hands on that same information. So it is likely to be an uphill battle as cryptocurrency becomes more and more ubiquitous. So I, I would be really concerned about that. Well, yeah, I, I totally agree with your concern there. You know, I've seen from crypto exchanges not requiring KYC, uh, AML now requiring like full, you know, uh, know your customer sort of identification attached to it, which is, of course, for revenue and tax purposes. Yeah. But yeah, having the same sort of backdoors, we are back to the same Orwellian kind of state we were running away from. Yeah. So it's like kind of defeats the purpose if for for those true 
you know, decentralization uh, proponents out there. But for a means of like currency exchange, I mean, the advantages it provides, I don't know if that will outweigh the like, you know, the privacy that will be again an issue, uh, you know, lack of privacy. So, uh, yeah, that that would be interesting to see the interplay of these things. So, you know, it can definitely uh, happen that uh, the, the ease aspect stays and the privacy aspect goes away. That's also possible. Yes, that's uh, pretty. Uh, yeah, that's usually been historically the case. The more convenient the thing is, the more... Uh, and, the less, <laughs> yeah. And look, it's the same thing has happened with the web, right? So, right. Uh, you know, email was supposed to be more decentralized. The web was supposed to be more decentralized, but it's all becoming sort of Google. Everything is with Google, Facebook, or bunch of the, the big players, and 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 they hold basically all the data in a sense. And that sort of, uh, you know, it's becoming centralized. And that similar thing also happened with block Bitcoin in the sense that much of the miners are in China. And, and so, you know, that, that, that is to some extent happening, but I'm also worried at the, in terms of the, if they can't control the regulations, there might be um, uh, intelligence uh, gathering agencies behind the, the scenes that might be doing when people say, oh, uh, you know, Bitcoin is associated with criminals and this and that. And like, you know, if you look at it, you could track every activity on a public ledger, which is more trackable than what currently exists in the cash. With all the incident happening with banks being siphoning money for uh, shady parties, you know, this is this could this could really change the whole dynamics. All right. So that brings me to the last question that I have. And I had to ask this silly question because it's the heading of this episode and is do cryptographers dream of blockchain? So just a silly, uh, you know, you can answer yes or no. It's just a... So, uh, I think cryptographers <laughs> don't sleep well. So that's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I meant, actually. There's another quote that goes back, uh, which is cryptographers seldom sleep well. And the reason is that uh, everything that we build is based on, or, or most things are based on certain hardness assumptions, and, and, and those are, are there. And we're really worried. Uh, you, you brought up the question of quantum computers that has, uh, uh, you know, in the sense that maybe someday we'll have quantum computers, so that's that's worrisome. And similarly, there are other assumptions that we cryptographers are worried about. You know, look, if they, they don't sleep, I, I would be surprised if they have chances to dream. So... <laughs> <laughs> No, they totally, uh, totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I had based on that, I had a bunch of other questions, but I won't be asking. Maybe I'll leave it for another session. Hey, thanks for your time, Sanjam. I would love to have you again on future episodes, and um, to the uh, and also for our listeners is like how where we they can read more about you, uh, the research work you're doing at Berkeley. If you can give some pointers, that would be wonderful. Yeah, so um, they can reach me at my website in, in Berkeley. And I guess it's uh, the easiest way to find it is by just Googling my name and, and they'll reach my website. And that has um, information on all uh, all my uh, research articles and, and so on. So and that's all available on my website. Thanks for listening. You can check out more episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also support us on Patreon. Take care. Until next time.